It was in the fall of 1932 when I discovered that a copy of the fabled Necronomicon was here in America, being guarded by a clandestine order of Omniati monks. Obtaining this legendary tome was vital, not only to my writings, but to the fate of all mankind. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen. It's a show where we talk about movies. Specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode 135, and it's week two of Spooktober 2021, where we are covering a horror anthology movie. And our movie was Necronomicon Book of the Dead from 1993. Um, Joining me uh, to talk about it are the same three people that were joining me last week. So we have... Faye. Hello. We have the Dreadlord. Hello. And we have Wicked Kid. Yeah. Uh, Dread, you actually made an appearance in this movie a couple times, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. thought that was you. Um, <laughs> Thank you for noticing me. I, uh, yeah, I tried. I look very good. I, I, I mean, they captured your likeness very well on camera. I was very impressed by that. Uh, so this movie, Necronomicon Book of the Dead, it's an anthology. It is three H.P. Lovecraft H.P. Lovecraft stories. Um, some of the lesser-known shorts, I think. Um, and then they have kind of a wraparound with Jeffrey Combs playing H.P. Lovecraft looking for the book in this um, like monastery or something like that. First of all, first thing I have to say, I love having Jeffrey Combs in the movie. And I think it's it's a ton of fun to have him play H.P. Lovecraft. He looked nothing like H.P. Lovecraft. He looked nothing like Jeffrey Combs. He looked sort of like Bruce Campbell. Uh, with the okay, prosthetic, yeah, I kind of see it. The prosthetic chin and the nose that yeah, they put on him, he looked like Bruce Campbell. But he sounded vaguely Jeffrey Combs-ish. So that was a little weird um, and kind of hard for me to get past at first. But, you know, it is what it is. I think when we were watching it, uh, Monica, you're... Pretty much your first thing you said was, it's chin. So, And it's Jeffrey Combs, too. So I absolutely love, love, love Jeffrey Combs. Okay. I had not seen this before. Had any of you? I'm going to start with uh, Dread. Wes- Wesley, had you ever seen this movie before? Of course I did. Okay. I mean, <laughs> aside from being in it is what I meant. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen it like okay. uh, three times already. <laughs> Uh, Monica, had you seen this one before? No, I had not. You had not. Okay, and how about you, Christina? Uh, no, it's been on my wanted to watch list, but I've never been able to find a copy of it. Part of that is uh, it's not easy to find. Uh, it is not available on a streaming service anywhere. It is not available to buy or rent in the U.S. on any kind of uh, digital download service. Um, we managed to have somebody that we know with a copy of it and would share it so we could watch it for this week. But I'm wondering if part of that is that this movie was direct-to-video and it didn't do well. So that tends to be stuff that's harder to find. I had never seen it before. I had, I think I had heard of it just in like, you know, going down the IMDb rabbit hole of looking at different directors and different um, 
actors and this would pop up on different uh, different people's stuff. The cast, there's actually a lot of names in this cast I recognize and I've seen in other things. Um, and then the three directors uh, were also people that I knew from other uh, other movies. And I actually really like um, director Christoph Gans, who surprisingly only has eight directing credits to his name. Two of them are pre-production and announced. So he's only directed six movies. Um one of them was Silent this. Hill, of course. Right. He he did Silent Hill. I know him best from Brotherhood of the Wolf. I loved that movie. That was a, a super just whacked out, crazy, but super fun movie for me. Um, and then he did uh, Beauty and the Beast in 2014, but it is not. Uh, it, it was starring Vincent Castle as the Beast. Um, it's a live action rendition of it. And that was the last thing he made was in 2014, which is kind of surprising because I feel like I feel like he has a really interesting if you if you've seen Silent Hill, um, or Brotherhood of the Wolf, or Crying Freeman, visually they're very interesting movies. Um, and I saw a little bit of that in his segment. He he did part one, The Drowned. Um, and I thought I think he has an interesting eye for stuff. I'm just not sure why he hasn't done more work. Um but yeah, I, I you know, seeing his name, seeing um some of the cast of this oh Brian Yun uh Yuzna. Yuzna? My, I'm I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Directed the He's third. Not. Okay, he directed He'll the let third. Let us know segment. if you don't. Fair. Um, he directed the third segment, uh, Whispers, as well as all the stuff with uh, Jeffrey Combs in the library. Um, best known for, uh, he is best known for Bride of Reanimator. I would say is probably and maybe most clearly, known for his for his the movies dentist. he does with Stuart Gordon. Yeah. Uh, did anybody see Society? By the way, no, I did not. <laughs> Holy crap, the ending of that movie. Wow. But it's it's, it. it's interesting because The Drowned was very atmospheric. Um kind of a slow build. Uh didn't have but then you get by the time you get to Whispers, it's like just all out craziness. And when I was kind of looking at it afterwards, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see why. I I could see where that's the use no one. Knowing Bride of Reanimator and now I'm watching that with all the weird demon bats that were like I, we'll get into it that that segment was strange uh but then the, the middle segment uh cool air or um the cold or something like that uh was shusuke uh kaneko i think you might want to help me with that christina if i'm pronouncing that horribly wrong i'd have to see the name again uh but he apparently didn't speak any english uh when he directed this movie um, so he directed this segment with an all English cast speaking no English, and it's probably the best of the three, if I'm honest. Agreed. I mean, it is my favorite one. Okay, so we know which one is your favorite. Um, Monica, which was which of the three stories did you like the best? Um, um, I I really had like a great affection for the first one. There was just something about like the the dude in it. It's very simple story, and mm-hmm. yeah. The fish very people and stuff. It's just very, yeah. I like that one a lot. Okay. I like them all, but you know, that I would pick that as my favorite. All right. And what about you, Wesley? Well, you I have a favorite? like them all. If I have to pick one, I'll probably guess the first one, right? Okay. So you also like the drown. So the drown yep. for me was I really like now. Most of it centers around uh, the main 
uh, guy, uh, Bruce Payne, plays him. Um, if you've seen, you've seen him pop up as a bad guy in things like Passenger 57. Um, I remember him from Highlander Endgame because, of course, it's a Highlander movie. I remember him from that, uh, where he played Jacob Kell. Um, he was also in the 2000 Dungeons & Dragons movie, uh, which is yet another cinematic blockbuster and stellar. Uh, I can't even finish that with a straight face. Um, but he was in that. Um, and honestly, I like Bruce Payne. He's, it's hard for me to call him a good actor, but he brings something to his roles. Like there's something always memorable about him, whether it's going way over the top and being an over actor, like he was in both Highlander and Dungeons and Dragons. Cause really he's just hamming it up in both of those. The problem with Dungeons and Dragons was he was getting out hammed by Jeffrey Irons, Jeremy Irons, like just way outdone. Uh, and he couldn't keep up, but like he's, and I like him in this. I liked, I liked him except for one. I had one problem with both his character and this particular segment of the movie as a whole. And I'm going to play it for you. I'm going to play it for you. And you'll probably figure out what it is. But for some reason, when he's speaking the incantation from the book, he says this. Kathleen. I'm going to play that one more time. Yeah. Kethlu. Who the hell is Kethlu? People have difficulties with I know. Cthulhu. It's it's I funny. Think. It just it stood Hence. out so Hence. much for me. Cthulhu. Also, it was an just incantation like, that's it's just saying, "Well, Cthulhu is uh, sleeping in his thing there." Uh, <laughs> it's just, that's, just what is the most it. known Lovecraftian phrase? Oh, that one. Let's throw it in there. Yep. People. <laughs> We'll just use that over and over and over because it was just <laughs> it was just repeating that like four or five times. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that like the way that was pronounced, just it just drove me batty. And it's so of like, course I captured it. It's just like five seconds to tell him, hey, look, man, you're doing well, but it's pronounced Cthulhu. Like, can we, can we do continue. one more take? One more? Do we have the, <laughs> do we have like, the budget for one more take? No. <laughs> no, no, they didn't uh, for sure. But yeah, I, I, I felt the emotion in his uh, in his portrayal. Though he was very upset about his wife, and then very attracted to her weird naked body with mm-hmm. hair and seaweed in perfect places and stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah, sure. I, yeah. I don't know. He was very. She looked good to begin with. Well, yeah. and that's well, the thing. Maybe less good afterwards. Yeah, I, she got a little, I, little worse for the wear. Yeah, she was looking rough there towards the end. But I, I liked Bruce Payne. I liked him in this. I thought it, I did also kind of chuckle at the fact that the first two stories are uh, both have flashbacks in them. So mm-hmm. we have a framing device. We have a wraparound that goes into yeah. a story that then has a flashback inside of it. And we do that not yep, once, actually, but twice. In I the giggled. second story, we'll go into details later but in the second story at one point she starts uh, telling a thing and then the doctor starts telling a thing and i was thinking they're gonna go even back they're going to put a yeah. flashback in the flashback in the storytelling <laughs> we but heard you like flashbacks so we're giving you another flashback yeah no doubt um inception now the first now in the drown the flashback went to an ancestor of the bruce Payne character um played by richard lynch who's another one of those actors who he, he pops up in stuff. He was in uh, an episode, a two-part episode of Star Trek Next Generation. 
Um, he's in the movie that was one of my favorite episodes of Mystery Science Theater, which is Werewolf. Um, he has a very distinct... Werewolf. Yes. Richard Lynch has a very distinctly gravelly voice that felt weirdly out of place with like how he was trying to act in this movie. I don't know why it felt strange to me, but yet I still liked him a lot. And he was another one where, again, he's kind of overacting, but you felt the emotion that he had for losing his wife and his young son. And that's all he wanted was to get them back. And it was the careful what you wish for a moment when he brings them back. And then his yep. son opens his eyes with the bright green, which that was a cool effect, by the way. Yeah. The effect of his son's eyes glowing green was really, really cool. And then his wife's. Mm-hmm. And that scared the crap out of me. That was pretty freaking <laughs> creepy. Creepy. It was creepy. It wasn't creepy. It was creepy. Right. Like it was creepy. unexpected. I mean, it was unexpected and shocking. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, there was one other actor. He he doesn't even look at the camera, um, but you hear his voice. He was the villager who finds uh, the Richard Lynch character on the beach and yells up, and that he was played by Vladimir Kulich. Um, that's another name. I remember him from the 13th warrior where he played, uh, Be- um, Beowulf and he was also in, uh, uh, smoke and aces as the Swede. He's, he's an actor who it's funny because usually he gets cast for his like tall stature and long blonde hair. And then in this movie, you just see the top of his head and you hear his voice. So that was to me kind of funny, but there's like a lot of names and a lot of faces that I'm recognizing in this first story. It's the most memorable part of that first story for me, unfortunately. Like, I liked it, but I can't say it was my favorite because it just felt like it was felt like it was building to something and it didn't quite get there before it ended. And I'm going to talk about why I like anthologies in a little bit. Um, but that was the feeling that I got from the drown. Like it was, it was building to something, but it either took too long to build to it or it just didn't quite pay it off. Because the ending of that story is just sort of like. And we're done. Moving yeah, on. yeah. If I if I had to pick my favorite ending, it's obviously going to be um, the the last story. That's my favorite ending. But I do. <laughs> yeah, that's just bananas. By the way, <laughs> because so they, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, they had, and a... that's how you end an anthology. By the way. Oh sure, sure, and we'll we'll get there for we're gonna get to that story, but like. This is a good story and a good style to open this with because I, I like a slow burn to open it, but I just, they needed to give a little bit more of a payoff than what we got, which was just him climbing out of the house. And that was kind of it. That was the only thing. Like, and he decided I mean, not to commit suicide, though. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's he chose a, to live. Like which it's is a, not very Lovecraftian. No, it wasn't. But, no, but it's, it's a minor gripe on my part. Like, the what they were building for it, the fact that they they managed to set basically all of it inside the house. That set was really cool looking. I did like that a lot. Um, it actually took me a second to realize that the story we were seeing was set in a time period that was further ahead than the guy reading it mm-hmm. out of the book. Yeah, yeah. That took me a minute. Where I'm like, wait a minute, no, the car doesn't. Okay, nope. All right, so time is time is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, all three of them were actually further ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, they were. You're right. And, but yeah, I, I think that the drown was a good way to start things off. Um, something very atmospheric. Um, 
and kind of that, again, like I said, that sort of slow build, but you also, you got memorable performances. I can't, it's, it's hard for me to say good, but memorable performances from Bruce Payne and uh, Richard Lynch. So good enough for a movie like this. Oh, for sure. Say. For sure. Um, now the and second also, one, the ending. Oh, yeah. Go uh, ahead. Two things like the ending. Okay. Happy ending in a way, mm-hmm. which you can say was not what you wanted maybe, but I think it works out well if you look at with what follows. Yes. And it makes those endings hit harder because you're like, okay, they're doing creepy stories, but we'll get happy endings like we're used to in most movies. (laughs) And then they're like, hey, hey, yeah, sure, man. Uh, Gotcha. Also, I mean, I was just going to say happy ending is a very relative term in a Lovecraftian story. So you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Mostly in Hollywood and... Most movies, there's happy endings. Um, but what you said, they're based on stories by Lovecraft. So uh, apparently this first one was based on Rats in the Wall. Mm-hmm. The Rats in the Wall. As you might have noticed, there was a severe lack of rats in the yeah. segment. So it was very, very, very loosely based on it in the sense that they just used the place, uh, the house built on a, an ancient uh, temple. It was mm-hmm. in the story. Uh, and the character name. Yeah. Other that than was, that, not much going on there. <laughs> yeah. So, Based on the rats in the walls, it. because we use the character name from the rats in the wall. That's it. Yep. <laughs> Other than that, we just made it up. So, um, exactly. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's Lovecraft. You have to have tentacle monsters. Also That's true. probably what they were thinking. Like, oh, we need tentacles. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. throw that in there. Yeah, rats don't have tentacles. We need tentacles. I um, liked, I liked though that she, you know, like when he cut her and she like went away and she turned into the tentacle, like that was really like, yes, the, cool. the effects were pretty well done. I found yes. uh, the whole, Throughout the movie, she I'm was looking, say. she was looking rough, but she looked good, was well done. Well, the makeup, yeah. the makeup effects were, were really good. I liked yep. them quite a bit. Uh, in this first one, they had like the, the makeup effect of the tentacles coming out of their mouths. Was, yeah, that, that was creepy. That was awesome. Yeah, like that was really that was really well done. They did a great again. They did a great job capturing your likeness, Dread. And I did fantastic. <laughs> I did see uh, in on IMDb that they did have Tom Savini as a consultant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw so that. That probably helped. Uh, and oh, we love Tom sure. Savini. Yep. Yep. That we do. Shout out. So, so that one was <laughs> a good kickoff. And again, I like Christoph Gans. I just wish I could see more of his work because. Well, I'm not going to say that this is as good as what he would do later on in Brotherhood of the Wolf. I think that that you can see some of the beginnings of like this guy's got a good eye for stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to do, I mean, Brotherhood of the Wolf and Silent Hill are both very visually interesting movies to watch. Um whether or not you think Silent Hill is any good as an adaptation of the game, the movie well. the the movie I think did a pretty decent job making a movie so i was happy with that um i haven't seen his version of beauty and the beast so i can't can't say to that but i was also surprised when you like i saw the name Mm -hmm. i was like oh that's the guy that did silent hill we just i just watched that again uh not that long ago and i looked into his list and as you said it's like oh you made me watch it remember Uh, okay (laughs) and that's the surprising thing it's like wait this guy's made some good stuff why has he only got eight film credits like It just, weird. just, you know, it's weird. 
Um, now, so if you're watching this, uh, do some more movies, okay? Thank yeah, you. please. We, we like your work, yeah. Christoph. Um, second movie was, uh, what was the name of it? Because on, on IMDb, they just call it like part two. Uh, but it was based on uh, it was based cool, on one of the I shorts. Um, and for me, this was my favorite of the three. Yes. Uh, and again, it has uh, we're we're hearing a story that then goes into a flashback for most of it, uh, which was that I, then goes into another flashback. Yeah, it's just like, OK, all right, sure. But um, this one is carried completely by David Warner. David Warner is Dr. Madden. Mm-hmm. If you, I David, love David Warner. David Warner is great because David Warner can be in a, a crazy, cheesy horror movie. He can do some really good, like highbrow stuff. He can do he he does it all. He's been in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two. He was in Tron. Like, so he, he was can also the voice in my favorite video game ever, Baldur's Gate two. Mm-hmm. As the done, evil one. Yeah, he's done a lot of voice work. He's been uh, a Klingon. Um, so he's done, he, he's great and he's good in this. Like he gives a good performance in this as this, as Dr. Madden. And he's, you, you, again, the, the emotion, like where I think Bruce Payne and, um, Richard Lynch in the first one, you felt emotion, but it was a little, they, they started kind of going over into camp territory just a little bit. Um, in some ways, I feel like David Warner played it more earnest I think would be the word that I would use, but I just, I loved him. Like he was just so good in this. Yeah. I really <laughs> loved him. I'm going to point out that I, I get that it's an anthology. So things are going to have to happen very quickly in, um, in the story, but I feel like they went to bed incredibly fast. After oh, yeah. one point. It was just, it was like, no, like, Oh, you know Especially what? Especially because right before that, he says like, yeah, I'm not into that kind of thing anymore. Oh, yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, here's my penis. But like okay. you know, like also like she was like nearly sexually assaulted the night before, so or something, right? It was the night, it was the night before? I'm pretty the ex, sure. the ex, yeah, yeah. It the, was no, stepfather. That was yeah, her was, stepfather. That was her stepfather. Oh, And like that's not something you're like. Oh, I was attacked yesterday. Yes, today I would like to have sex. Thank you, Doctor Stranger Man. Well, he did save her. I mean, he yeah. did, but yeah, the the pacing of that story is very condensed and very like mm-hmm. shocking in in quite a few ways, um, which is why again it's kind of interesting for me that it's my favorite because of the way the pacing is off in the story. But I do feel like I feel like the moments if you take that part of it out, it's the most solid of the three stories. Taking out the the whole like. Well, we've now shared one moment together on the rooftop. Let's have sex. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I'm 150 years old, and you're like 19. But hey, that's not weird uh, at all. Yeah. Um. So, mm. it, and it's it's hard to say. Well, do you take that out, and it's fine. But that's like the weird kind of offshoot in this really weird little short story that kind of where the first one was a lot of buildup without the payoff. This felt like it had very little buildup, and then they went right into payoff mode. And some of that was they had to show off their effects, right? Because they definitely and, and I, showed off their effects. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I feel yeah. like also he he took his time the, uh, peeling off every part of himself. Yeah. Yes. The um, <laughs> and the first story, it's him alone, and I feel like that is what makes the pacing feel so slow. 
and in the second story, there's a lot more just, like, going on. But they could have done, like, just a bit of, like, time joping, like, like one week later or something, or made it look like she had been there for, you a know, while. longer or something. Because, like, she still had the bruises on her from when he, like, attacked her before, like, however long when she ran away. Sure. But, like, you know. But other than that, I could forgive it because it is part of an anthology. I understand mm-hmm. it's a short. Yeah. Yeah, as a short story, I can I can forgive quite a bit, but give us some indication that some time has passed and she spent some time with Dr. Madden prior to mm-hmm. kind of things going the way that they did. Um, because it does, that would then give a better reason for uh, things like the landlady to be jealous of her and yet at the same time help her in the end with the, the interesting twists that they went for. Like... It was weird. It was, it was really weird. Um, it was really weird. Yeah. Now it also, once um, again, showed off some great makeup effects and some great uh, stop motion oh, yeah. uh, with uh, with him melting. Um, that was... Peeling mm, the skin off the skeleton. Yeah. Yay. I'm going to peel everything off of me, too. That's yep. just what I have to do. I have to get my skin off. Oof, that's so hot. That's just too damn warm. It's like four degrees in here. It's way too hot. Um, I... Again, if they if they had longer to tell the story, maybe they could give a reason how he was able to air condition that house to such a cold from the upper floor too. Like, dude, if you need to stay cold, get lower. Not don't go up. Mm-hmm. Heat rises. It's, it's physics. Lower. Um, well, he had all that ice and stuff. Yeah. Plus, what was his blood? Was it was it antifreeze? Was it ammonia? What was he bleeding? Because that was another one that was like, yeah, yeah, no. it wasn't it wasn't normal blood. He was just that, that bleeding probably ammonia. In the original story, it's ammonia. So. Is it? Okay. Because well, they mention it. Like she the, says. The cooling uses ammonia, so I mm. assume they went there a bit. They, they adapted quite a bit, as you might have guessed. Yeah. Uh, you don't say. But, hey, um, if you've lived that long, we'll see how your blood looks like. At that <laughs> fair age. enough. No. By the way, Bess Meyer, who plays Emily in that, was good too. Like, I, mm-hmm. I liked the character. Uh, Again, take out the whole like, hey, I've known you for 12 hours and you're an old man scientist. Let's go to bed. Take that out of the equation. Like the characterization was interesting and she was good. But it, and, and this whole story is carried by Bess Meyer and David Warner. So I just uh, I did enjoy that. Um, it, it's uh, it's also impressive to to do a film like that, even a short with the language barrier between your director and your stars um, and probably your entire crew. Uh, although <laughs> I don't know if any of you noticed it. Um, there was definitely a crew member on camera in one scene um, when the, you didn't see that. So when no, uh, I didn't see it during, during the attack, um, David Warner, you know, Dr. Madden comes out, stabs the guy with the scalpel in the hand, um, the stepdad who's played mm-hmm. by um, Gary Graham. When he falls down the stairs, it cuts away. And when it comes back, you see the landlady standing there. And right behind you, you, you can see the white sneaker of one of the crewmen and like a pair of jeans just standing there in frame. And I was like, I backed it up. I must have backed it up like three or four times to look. Cause I'm like, did I, did I see that? Is that what I'm saying? I don't know if it was like a boom mic operator or what. There's just a shoe and it's clearly like a Reebok basketball shoe just standing there. <laughs> It's like, dude, Probably. take a step back. So that that cracked me up. Um, again, kind of showing. We need some to go of the, back and watch that. 
definitely go back and take a look at it. You'll you'll see it. It's right as uh, she kind of steps out, and you just see a foot behind her. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, I think that cold was uh, a good one. Um, the ending to it is, yeah. I mean, up until the moment where he starts melting, it's like, okay, this is all right. And then it takes that twist or takes that turn. And that scene happens, which is just crazy bonkers. But then the twist of the whole thing where her pregnancy, because that was another part where I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, so she's pregnant, which with the old guy's, with the old guy's baby, which we didn't establish how long she was gone. But she goes back to talk it, to him. It said two months. Two months? Okay. I mean, long enough, I guess, for her to know. Um, but she goes back. She goes to talk to him and then gets shot in the back with a shotgun. I'm like, okay, so she's not pregnant anymore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then... Also, course, she's dead. Because, like, yeah. that's just... That's, like, a to the main part of your body yeah. right there. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. And then the twist is, nope, she's uh, she's still alive. She apparently inherited or got infected with his disease yeah (laughs) disease again there's a little little hand waving going on there um look i didn't say any of these were i didn't say any of these were particularly good did i i i I don't i think they were just using the the mention of disease as a hand wave that they were using to make people stop asking questions about how they could be alive for so long and why it's so yes. cold. Could be. Because all that was also added. Uh, so the original story is called Cool Air, mm-hmm. uh, where none of that happens because it's just about the doctor that lives in a cold room and uh, someone moves in the house, uh, the dripping on the ceiling and all that. That's from the story. But the whole idea was that the doctor was actually dead for 18 years. Mm. And he was just keeping himself alive. While being dead, you know what I mean. <laughs> Keeping his body alive, let's say. Okay. Uh, and that was actually the twist in that story. Like, oh, he was dead all this time. So they right. sort so of they did add the whole pregnancy thing and all to do that. So they had to kind of like, well, the doctor kept himself alive because he knew what he was doing mm-hmm. with uh, injecting him with stuff, whatever. She would know that she's not a doctor. So they had to be like, well, we'll make it a disease or something or a. Uh, so, there. No, um, I, I, I think no, because they were still doing the injections of the bone marrow. The spinal fluid. It, it was, it was spinal the landlady fluid. that was helping. So yeah. yeah, but without a doctor, I don't know if she would know enough to keep that going. No, but, she wouldn't have. You know, like whatever works in the movie. I mean, but like the the <laughs> the landlady would have known enough to keep keep doing what she did to the doctor, basically. Yes, that's it. Mm. Like they don't know anything beyond that. And that's why the reporter got killed to get the the spinal fluid. Yeah, well, they that's have why to. Why you don't go in someone's that house. house that you suspect of killing people and then drink their coffee or tea or whatever it was? Right. I'm like, yeah. What are you, an idiot? <laughs> oh, hey, I'm gonna go tell the police. Mm, good coffee. Mm. Oh, <laughs> you drugged me. Yeah. <gasps> Shocked, dude. <laughs> so, here's a question for you. That story also takes place in a modern setting um whether it's the the late 70s or the mid 90s or whatever it's supposed to be but it's a more modern setting than the original short would have been in right because lovecraft would have written the short probably yeah. set in the 20s 30s something like that 
Do you think that they framed it the way that they did with the flashback to when the doctor was alive and all of that as a way to cover some of the budgetary restraints they would have? Because it's a lot easier to set something more modern. And then if you go back, all you have to show is interiors and you can go back, you know, the 20 years or whatever. Oh, if you're only showing interiors, it shouldn't matter that much. But she, there's, there's stuff that took place in the diner and outside the house. In any of that, yeah. you couldn't show as a period piece without it getting considerably more expensive. It might be, but it's also Lovecraft, so I think they wanted to make a nod to those times more, even though it was after Lovecraft's time, I assume, even in the that's flashbacks. True. Well, that's what I'm saying. Even though people the... making movies yeah, on video, only... they want modern. That's what they're going for, because they thought video was going to be the thing that you know took over. Well, and that's Sorry. why I wonder if, like, no, because period pieces would still have been normal to do. I'm just well, wondering yeah, if but... adapting that story to a modern setting was a budgetary thought. Well, or... I mean, really, probably a little bit, but it, the only thing that's adapted is just having the doctor live longer. He's older. Yeah, I suppose. Clothing, I costuming, I think... all that kind of stuff, too. I mean, maybe, but I, they had $4 million to make this, so I don't know. That's not I mean, a lot of money. Maybe they just wanted to make a modern version of it. Maybe there's some sort of, like, you know, thing out there, but they could, could have just wanted to make modern because, you know, 1993, kids oh, want modern? I'm not, I saying, I was a I'm not <laughs> saying that that isn't what they did. I'm just curious what you all thought. Yeah. Um. And our third movie was Whispers, which is based on Whisper in the Whisper in the Darkness, correct? Once again, very loosely, very loosely but yes, <laughs> based on in that they said it's based on that one. Um, yes, and <laughs> well, in the story, there's also uh, entities that use people's skin to pretend to be human, mm. which mm-hmm. kind of happened in this one, even though they showed it in a strange way, but. Yeah, so if our first one was a bit of a slow burn and kind of very atmospheric, and the second one took a turn at one point but was a little goofy, um, this one's just straight out bonkers. Like, this is just, mm-hmm. we're turning the crazy up to 11 and going yep. uh, to have a good old time doing it. And boy, did they. Um, it had a couple of actors in it that I have to mention. Um, one of them mm-hmm. is Don Kalfa as Mr. Mm-hmm. Benedict. Um, now... You probably remember him, Monica. I bet you do from Return of the Living Dead. I was like, "It's that dude from that thing." Um, I don't yeah, remember I love him that guy. as that. You know what I remember him oh, from? He was great in that. He was, but you know what I remember him from? What? Running scared. He played a lawyer. Oh, I still haven't seen that. In, of course he did. Of, of yeah, course. Like... But he has a he has a small part as a lawyer, um, serving uh, serving Billy Crystal's character some papers. In, uh, in the movie, and I just, I always remember him from that. So I saw him and I'm like, it took me a second because he had a mustache in, in Running Scared and he didn't have that in this. Um, but, you know, that's what I remember him from. Is Running Scared like your Mad Max Fury Road? In a lot of ways, yeah. <laughs> it really is. But like, yeah, but in, in Return of the Living Dead, he also looks incredibly different because I think he has like white hair or something like that and like that's he's right. not wearing glasses. and But like... I immediately, as I see him, like he's one of those actors that I know I've seen in other things too. I just can't mm-hmm. remember, but 
Yeah. And he's kind of... he's having the most fun of anybody in this in this one. Like he's just going for it. <laughs> and I love that. Um also the uh Paul, the other police officer, because the um Sarah character is played by Sidney Coleman. Don't recognize her from anything. Um Paul was played by Oba Babatunde. And like he's been in quite a few things. Uh, I actually remember him from an episode of Psych um, that he was in. Uh, he's got a, a kind of distinct look in a lot of ways, I feel like. Um, he reminds me of Billy D. Williams every time I see him. He does have a little a, a little bit of Billy D. Like Williams going on. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish he could have been in it more, although he sort of is because they used a life cast of him <laughs> to make the, the hollow version. <laughs> which, oh, my God. Break. That was Freaky. Oh that my was, god. Like you could so tell it was uh a a fate you know, like a doll, but it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Like that's again, that's where that, yeah. you know, probably going to Tom Savini and talking to him and being like, Hey, uh, I think Screaming Mad George was also part of the I I thought I heard. Maybe not. Um, but that was really good. This is a weird damn story and it gets weird like it goes weird mm-hmm. right away. Um and it doesn't it pull weirder. any punches, uh, and it just keeps getting weirder and weirder and layers of weird. Um, but I kind of enjoyed it too. It was yep. definitely a lot of uh, fun. It was very short. It was almost as if they just, you know, chopped it off randomly and made no sense. That's a callback, by the way. I see what you did there, by the yeah. way. Chopping yeah. yeah. off. If you watched, if you want, like, and I'm like. Okay, so he's the killer. No. Okay, so they're married. Wait, they're not married. Okay, so who is... What is this temple? What are they doing? Okay, they're going to leave. Oh, she made it out. Wait, they were her parents. So she was thinking about this while she was in the act? No. Then she has... What? Yeah. What? What? No, there's, yeah. You, you definitely get whiplash trying to follow this she still has the keys. One. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that just ended like that. Like, well, I don't know where the keys are. Oh, Sarah has the keys. Okay. But that's it. Yeah, and then it ends with her, like, laughing and going insane, I guess. Yeah. I hope. Um, <laughs> it's, well, it's you know, going really insane weird. is a theme. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really bizarre. It's way out there. Fun in its own way, but it definitely was the least kind of story-driven of the three of them. And it was mostly just... Oh, yeah. Action-driven, definitely. We're going to make a weird situation and and just throw all the creature effects we can at you. Those bat creature things with like little mm-hmm. vagina mouths were weird. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what that was. <laughs> aliens, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were they were aliens. I don't that was that was strange. Uh like even for this that was very strange. Um but, you know, the 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 effect of the hollow body was creepy as hell. Mm-hmm. I really liked mm-hmm. that. I liked that they kind of dove into uh, the insanity angle where she thinks she gets out and she's in the hospital um, and she's not, you know, it's all a fake out. Uh, I thought that was actually executed pretty well because I was very confused, which is how I should feel when I'm watching something like that. Um, yeah. I also liked the subtle, the, well, subtle isn't the right word, the reveal of uh, Mr. <laughs> Benedict as the guy that was dragging Paul when he puts his little galoshes on. Yeah. And he's got his, his red galoshes. galoshes. That was cool. Because those were those were silly. Those little galoshes can, don't even come up I to make, ankle height. Can I make an honorable mention of one of the great actors in this? Sure. 
when she's about to go down into the warehouse or whatever, like there's a bunch of birds that fly away, but there's one pigeon who just kind of like struts by for a <laughs> long ass time. I'm not <laughs> flying when you want me to fly. I'm just going to be on it's camera. Like, here. I'm in this movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, the diva pigeon. Okay. It's a great pigeon. Um, also, I think uh, Kojima must have seen this segment for uh, this Dead Stranding baby. Oh, so when she's in the hospital, she's like, "Oh, you can be you. You know, you're not uh, good enough to be pregnant." Uh, and then she's like, yeah. and you can just see the baby shining through again. Just really, yep. really weird. Makes sense. Yeah, it looks so like one of those backpacks they have for cats with the clear and yep. it has like holes in it. And I'm like. <laughs> It had a little porthole, and there's the baby, and it was just weird. Like that whole character of Mrs. Benedict was, because the Mister Benedict character is not quite all there, but he seems like I can kind of track what's going on with him. But you know, then him and his wife, uh, the story just keeps changing between them. Plus, I did I did think it was funny that he never called her the same name twice. He kept calling her different names for flowers. He kept saying Daisy and Rose and Lily. Like every time he would talk he about her, he kept saying a different name. And at first, the first time it happened, I was like, wait a minute, what? Who's he talking about? And then I realized what was going on. Like I caught, I caught on by the time he started calling her Lily. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I Judith, did not catch that. You know why? I watch a show where this dude calls his girlfriend a different name every time, but it's always something weird and innocuous like noodles <laughs> and spinach. It's a very weird show, but like he just randomly does it. So I didn't even think about it. I'm just like, maybe he's just calling her like different flowers. Yeah. Different pet names. Think, um, this is why I like when you watch a movie for the first time, Travis. <laughs> You'll catch things. And Judith Drake was playing Mrs. Benedict, by the way. So she was blind, right? Or supposed to be blind or not? I, I didn't. Something. I don't know what was up with that. Like at one point, she's she acting blind. Oh, that's right. She didn't have eyes. That's what it was. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> So, Again, it's yes. tough to follow that one. That story is weird, and it's all over the place. I can't keep up with all the left turns that are going on mm -hmm. in that story. Yeah. She's just a meat puppet. Yep. So those flying things are just wearing her as a suit. Oh, yeah. Somehow, don't ask. Just questions. like an Edgar suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are in... and it's, it is weird because, like, at the point of they're getting the bone marrow, and I'm just thinking, hmm. well, like the first one ended okay, and he. Uh, Wesley was right because I'm like well the first one ended good and the second one ended you know like okay you were gonna kill you whatever. Um, so this one's gotta end like at least with something maybe they all die mm -hmm. okay maybe nope. she nope. dies nope. The what okay mm -hmm. yeah it was like and I liked it because of that because it was like we're done <laughs> you all die down here it was it was quite a Quite a lot going on. I will say, though, my favorite moment in the third story is where it's just a bonkers shot, cut, cut, cut of all the little bat creatures, like, just drinking bone marrow out of, like, mm -hmm. a separate They were arm. enjoying that. Like, yeah, it was... They were enjoying That was just so nuts. And I was like, okay, this is this is fun at this point. Like, we've now, <laughs> we've now crossed over into what the hell am I watching, but I'm... It's actually kind of fun. This, I think, would be a lot of fun to watch with other people. Um, it's hard to for me see to... their reactions. And... Right. Yeah. Right. It's it's hard for me to say that this was good. Um, I did 
overall find it enjoyable. Um, but, you know, it definitely shows the budget, and I can see why it got kind of a direct-to-video release. This would not have done well in theaters for a, for a mass audience, for a general audience. Horror fans are going to enjoy it um, because it's got that camp factor, because it's got it's kind of the the cheese factor that goes along with adapting um, Lovecraft. Because I have found that a lot of Lovecraft gets adapted in this way, especially from like the early 80s on into the mid-90s, sort of pre-in-the-mouth-of-madness. I feel like a lot of Lovecraft adaptations went this route where they would kind of loosely adapt something and usually go in a weird direction. And then In the Mouth of Madness tried to kind of went more, it didn't adapt a story, it adapted the styling and sort of went in that direction. That's why that one is actually my favorite Lovecraft movie, which Mm -hmm. isn't even based on a Lovecraft story. Yeah. But hey, well, it, it seems more more Stephen Kingish. Yeah, that and that was like a it's a no, it's definitely it's a, Lovecraftian. Uh, but Stephen King also is inspired by Lovecraft, so mm-hmm. who knows anymore? There was there an earlier version of that movie aside from the nineties. Was there like a sixties or seventies? In the Mouth of Madness, else? no, no. In the Mouth of Madness was of, an original. I'm thinking of like Carnival of something, right? Is that what I'm thinking of? Maybe Carnival of Souls, Souls or, something. or something. Could be. Okay, never mind. Um, Go ahead. But I do, I do kind of feel like in the Mouth of Madness is sort of that tipping point of like, we see more because after in the Mouth of Madness we got things like Dagon um, and uh, even stuff like The Void later on, where they're taking the ideas and they're adapting those as opposed to trying to just adapt a story. So go ahead, Wesley. Little, little I know different. you want to say your thing right now. What? Um, what you want to say your thing about Dagon? <laughs> Dagon, yes. I, so Dagon, ah, Dagon. Dagon is Dagon only in title. Uh, yeah. The story itself is not Dagon. It's, I was waiting uh, for you to just over sh- shove that in there. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. Oh, when they like, we have this cool story, but I don't like the title. Let's just take another title. No one will notice. Okay. Yeah. Why? Not. I don't. I don't love that. Can I? Can I mention something for the for especially the three of us? Because I don't think he watches it, but like. The, the the thing where they where he found the book in MST3K doors was it just me like <laughs> no no it's slowly opening yeah I know a little it bit was I was just like <laughs> that's kind of funny well so that's oh, sort so of the was... oh go ahead I was just gonna say it's just a portal yeah yeah I and... just like the way that it opened though with the different like you know yeah through the different stories to unleash whatever they were wanting yeah to different not orientations unleash. of doors. Yeah. That's and funny. and that's kind of the fourth part of this this movie was the wraparound with uh, we mentioned at the top of the show with Jeffrey Combs as H.P. Lovecraft. Um, that was also directed by Brian Yuzna, um, who played the cab driver at the end. By the way, that was yep. him driving the taxi, uh, and and it has a very similar feel to Whispers Part Three um, in its kind of tone to me. So because like. When the monk finally comes after him and finds him in the end, um, had that same kind of feel to it. And it's got the, it's got very similar, just like, we're going to go completely apeshit in terms of the, the, uh, creature effects in this one. Um, so, you know, that was a thing. I, was it supposed to be the same creature? Do you think 
um, underneath that that was underneath the house in the first story where he drops the key? Uh, it, it seemed to be a smaller version of it, perhaps. Okay. That could be. Oh, yeah. That was something There's that... all of tentacle creatures, apparently. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a weird, like, they made a real big point of showing that when he dropped the key, and then I felt like that never fully paid off. Like, was it what was behind yes. the door or not? Why, why was that creature down there if yeah. he had to first open the gate? Mm-hmm. And then something flew through the gate, which was a portal, because they show a portal, show the thing flying towards them. So if that thing's just coming there, why is that other thing already down there? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little weird. Maybe that's like a guard hmm. thing. Ah, yeah. ah, watcher in the water. Yeah, something like that. No, I, I also think... want to say, I'm going to take hey. credit for calling the the cane sword. <laughs> I called that because I'm like he was hmm. running down the stairs <laughs> while not using a cane. I'm like, why do you yeah. have a cane, man? And I'm just <laughs> like, I bet, yeah, I bet you have to like, I bet that's a sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's totally that's a great something, way to hide one. Yeah, that's, that's totally something do. Lovecraft would have done, right? Have a cane sword. No, um, no. no, I think I think overall, <laughs> if you're a words. if you're a fan of Lovecraft, if you're a fan of of horror movies. I think this is worth seeking out and, and watching for, for fun. Again, I can't say that it's good, but it can be enjoyable, especially there's, there's a lot of enjoyable moments in it. Um, now yes. I, I personally really like anthologies for horror and I, I touched on this a little bit last week, but one of the reasons for that is I feel like short stories with horror work really well because short stories don't need to have a beginning, middle, and end. They're they're more or less take a take an mm-hmm. idea, craft a, a a loose narrative around that. But you're you're more or less trying to get get across one idea as opposed to telling a story with a beginning, middle, and end. My problem with this one was that the three different stories, none of them felt like a complete short story. They all had a little bit of an issue with them, whether it was too much build without a payoff in the first one or not enough build with two with with a payoff in the second story or then the third one they just didn't care they were just like here's a bunch of random shit <laughs> have fun um which again i'm fine with i don't have a problem with that but when i compare that to say the anthology we watched last year which was creep show um i feel like the stories in creep show were a little more complete in each one and yeah. then uh, two years ago one. was, yeah, well, t- and two years ago was Trick or Treat, which also felt like it had more complete short stories. That one also tried to tie them all together, uh, which is a little bit different than what this did. But I, I feel like that's what kind of makes this where I can't say this is good and like definitely go check it out, go find it, do whatever you have to. If you can, if you can find a copy of this uh, somewhere and you can watch it, I think it's okay. But it's not quite like fully baked, I think is what I would say. Might also be because it's three different directors. Well, yes. If you're, but... doing the, if you're doing the entire movie, you'll be like, okay, we need to make four, three or four segments. We can see we need this much time. That's fine. And then when you have three different directors, they'll probably all be like, well, I want my story to be the best or the longest or the most attention having. Yeah. And then you have with... to cut stuff around Gener- maybe a bit generally with anthologies the directors are different for each story 
Yeah, it's not it's yeah, not uncommon. Well, not creep show, right? Because creep show is just Ramiro. I don't and... know about uh, the other one. What's the trick or treat? I don't remember. Who does I don't show. remember trick or treat. Creep show was all Romero. Um, yeah. yeah, he directed. So that's that. one that. Trick or treat. I don't know trick or treat. Um, trick or treat was 2007, and it was oh that was all Michael Doherty. He actually wrote and directed yeah. that mm-hmm. one. I think um, it de- it depends on what kind of anthology it is True. too, because if it's just like one. Mm-hmm. But so like and that's the and that's the thing because Creepshow you all had the, the different uh, comic style things, mm-hmm. uh, Trick or Treat, all the Halloween style things. Mm-hmm. This one you have Lovecraft, but all okay. There's a lot of tentacles, okay, but most of his stories are different. He's just meant to be the dude reading the stories or whatever that's you know that's going on or something. But for the movie, yeah. But mm-hmm. in re in real life, is well, what Dread is getting with. And but even yes. even if you all his stories have different settings or well. Yeah, no, no I wasn't disagreeing. Some I was things just that saying come back, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, he's the in this one he is the dude reading. I'm stating a fact. He's the dude reading the thing in the story. Well, yeah, he's in the any wraparound. Case, He's yeah. stealing the. I was just saying he was a his stories that he will write later from the Necronom. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever. That's not my point. But um, I was gonna say, uh, you know, like Travis can't give his. You know, it's good. Go get it. And I'm like, I would say, I'm I would gonna say... give my. I give my seal of approval. How about you, Faye? Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it's definitely not, oh, you have to go see it. Yeah, um, if you can find but, it, you should watch it. Yeah, I mean, if if you like <laughs> Reanimator, Dagon, Castle Freak, if you liked mm-hmm. any of those, this is right about the same level. Nope. Oh, I liked Castle Freak. Also, ouch. Just saying. I mean, yeah, I. Aww. that's kind of what I think about it. Like, it's at that level, but because this is such a difficult movie to find, that's why I'm saying it's hard to well, say. Well, yeah, yeah, but you, do whatever you said you, can. you can't, you can't say, well, I just mean, like, you said you can't say that it's good, but, like, I'm going to say that I think it's good. Sure, I, and I, that's I that's fine. I, I think there are better yeah, anthologies for I was just asking what Faye was thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even if and, you want to see these stories, there's better adaptations of them well yeah probably it's cool air i know a movie that i've seen not that long yep. ago uh the whisper in darkness actually had uh i don't know uh preparation uh there was that call of cthulhu movie the silent one mm-hmm. that they did uh the same society that made that they made an adaptation of whisper in darkness as well oh okay which yeah. is uh very good um if you're looking yeah. for a well-made movie Yes. Whisper go for those. Movies, this is not a, a long movie. This it's is a horror. fun movie to watch, even Camp if it's not and... the best. The effects are good. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna if you want that, you'll enjoy that as a horror yeah. fan. If you want yeah. some gore, it's there. Like the monk at the end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. If you enjoy gore like <laughs> I do. <laughs> well and and that's I think what I'm getting at is like this movie had I knew going into it kind of what I was getting into. I had an idea just based on how hard it was to find this movie. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to, to believe that this is just going to blow my mind if it's this hard to even watch it. Um, but it was one of those where it's like, 
I, when I look at the cast, when I look at the writers and directors, I feel as though it could have been more. And I don't know if it was a, a lack of budget because you mentioned it. They had something like four million dollars to make this. That's not a lot of money to make a movie um, at all. Even in 1993. <laughs> yeah. And, and especially if you're trying to do three separate ones. Sure, they're shorter. Shorts can can cost less. But they put a lot of that budget into the makeup effects, which is good, but maybe spend a little more time writing or refining your scripts Um, because that would have made it something that I would want to watch again quickly. I I don't feel as though this was bad, but I'm also not going to rush to watch it a second time. Like I would watch Trick or Treat again or Tales from the Dark Side, the movie again. Um quickly this one if it if it happened to be a situation where i was going to be shown this sure all right i'll watch it i'm not going to turn it down but i'm not going to seek it out i think it's where i'm where i fall on it oh yeah no we got that it's just completely fair like i have never seen tales from the dark side i just thought about that so there's another movie you haven't seen yeah. Travis adding to the list right now travis is writing down furiously on a pad but, you know, it, I'm glad that I did see this. I will say that. Like, again, as somebody who likes Lovecraft and likes Lovecraftian style stories, I'm glad that I got to see this and see some adaptations of it. Um, it does make me want to find the um, Cool Air uh, that you were talking about, or, um, for that matter, the uh, um, Whisper in the Darkness uh, adaptation to see to see what the Lovecraft Society did with that. This is good stuff. Um because the stories are, are very interesting. And um, someone has it on his uh like hmm. well, I might have to might have no to check that out. If I can ever meet Let this me special someone. Um so yeah, it, overall, I mean, I definitely had a fun time with it. Uh, if the creature effects hadn't been as good as they were, I would have been very upset. That really was what sold it. Because yes. Again, legitimately creepy. Like the moment where the kids' eyes open up and they're glowing green. Legitimately creepy for me. Um, the the uh, girlfriend or wife or whatever kind of walking up, um, coming into the into the room. Not so much creepy, but really well done makeup work. Um, mm-hmm. And even some of the digital effects that they used. They did a couple of morph effects of like her turning into the tentacle. Didn't look terrible, especially for 1993 low budget yep. 93 movie like that was a nice little optical effect so it was fun I, i'm i'm glad that i got to watch it and i'm glad that uh you know monica and christina you both got to see it for the first time I'm, all... I'm so happy you know what it did though hmm. it made me want to see i mean it made me want to read the stories about it and that's that's a but big thing mm-hmm. yeah exactly should, uh, that's also a thing that people should do just go read the stories they're free they're short. Yeah. They're all public domain. Yeah. Yep. And that's the thing. These are shorts. They're not, it, you're not looking at a huge commitment to read a lot of Lovecraft because a lot of his stuff. His, I actually reread two of them today. So there you go. You can do it. His, his writing style is a little, for a modern reader, if you haven't read it before, it's a little odd to get into at first because just mm-hmm. the way he writes, but it's fun stuff. Uh, so next week, Next week, we're talking slasher movies. Are we? We're continuing Spooktober, and we have a slasher film. Uh, and it's one that I have not seen before, but I believe the three of you have. Wait, that's next week? That's next week. Slumber Party Massacre. 
is our movie next yes! week. My favorite. Uh, I, I know never... some people who love that movie too from yep. the audience. Uh, I have never seen it, so this will be interesting. Ooh, Travis. So. Have I ever done you wrong? Yes, several times. <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> No, but, I have but not. That's Shopping okay. mall was fantastic, and that's, you know it. That's okay. I don't mind. Uh, I like seeing something different. Um, plus, I know coming up the the remainder of the month, uh, we have horror comedy is going to be what we do in the shadows, and then we are ending on Halloween night watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I can't wait for both of those as well. So, and you know, uh, I Slumber Party Massacre is one of those that I hear like I should just see. It's great '80s cheese. And I'm all for it. It's full cheese. Oh, so. I make sure you watch the second well, one too, because the second one is Shut awesome. Shut up! Shut up! Yeah, I'm probably. Well, what about skip the third? That. Shut your mouth! Nobody needs to see that. Nah, I've seen yes. it three times. Everyone I think needs it's to I hate see myself. that one. No, nobody we'll needs see. to see that ever. We'll see what happens We're after. We're gonna the make first you watch one. it. Oh, well, who knows? But uh, that is what's coming up next week: Slumber Party Massacre. I think uh, I'm in for. I'm in for something. I don't know what, um, but I'm in for something. So if you do enjoy the show and you want to catch it live while we record, um, you can twitch.tv slash TV's Travis Sunday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can be like Ace um, and uh, Faye. When you're not on the show, you're usually in the chat room hanging out. Um, of course. And, uh, you know, just hang out, chat with us while we're recording. It's a ton of fun. Uh, the show comes out on Wednesdays at tvstravis.com or anywhere that you get podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, leaving a rating and review helps more than you know to make the show discoverable. So it uh, makes the algorithm see my show, um, and that would be great. But until next week, in Slumber Party Massacre, remember to enjoy your movies. And, um, you know, it's getting creepy out there, but be excellent to each other. It's a good way you haven't seen This is going to cost you your life. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>